eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Raider Nation, it is time to talk about your favorite subject. That, of course... Las Vegas Raiders football. Thanks for being with us back here on Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast. We do appreciate you. We get so much joy and entertainment and feedback from all of you. Uh, and we just appreciate it. And, and the support you've given us continues to blow me away. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And we appreciate you being with us. And I don't do this alone. Though. Nope. Nope. We are partners. And that is... My good friend, Mo Moten, who now joins us. Uh, Mo, of course, national writer for Bleacher Report and also is the Raiders columnist up on SportsNot.com. All right. Second day in a row. We talked yesterday. Got some feedback. People thought I was a little negative yesterday. I apologize if that's the way you felt, but maybe I had a tough day. I don't remember because I, I, you know, it's all about today and tomorrow, Mo, not about yesterday, right? Stop being a negative Nathan, Scott. <laughs> Be more positive like Mo, all right? Let's well, just talk about the good things. <laughs> and, and it's funny because we had one of the guys I really like. I like Danny Heifetz, who was on yesterday from The Ringer and Spotify. 
And but Danny, you know, Danny's going to tell it like it is. He does not hide. And so Danny had some things to say about the Raiders in his all index that we talked about him, uh, talked about with him yesterday. And I think some Raider fans didn't like it because it wasn't exactly perfect. Oh, the Raiders are going to be awesome, right? And that's okay. I understand as a fan. You know, there's been enough negativity around the Raiders. I didn't think he was negative, but you and I tend to look at things a little more differently than perhaps some of our listeners. And that's cool, though. I'll tell you what, we get good feedback when we don't do something well or if people don't like something. I love, Mo, that our listeners tell us because sometimes we disagree and we say, okay, well, you know, that's just a choice we made and we're sticking to it and we'll see you later. But overall, I love it, you know, because people tell us what they like and what they don't like. And, you know, we want to deliver an entertaining and insightful show. And so it's great when we get those listeners to tell us how they think about things. Yeah, of course. Uh, both sides of the coin are great because your feedback helps improve the show. Uh, just about Jenny Heifetz's uh, piece, I, I just felt like uh, basically the Rays are ranked eighth. So they're one of the teams that are going all in. So I didn't see it too much as a negative. I think the problem with people had a prop issue with was the fact that he said maybe they may be undermanned when it comes to other teams in the division. So that's a sensitive yeah. subject. And, and that's obviously very sensitive because uh, when you talk about the AFC West and you talk about the chiefs and the chargers and the Broncos, uh, people don't want to hear that. And so I get it. And the whole bazooka and the gun thing, that was <laughs> a couple people DM me uh, uh, after the show ran uh, on, on Wednesday morning and they said, yeah, you know, that. what is that all about? And so I get it. It's totally fine. People are really happy right now, very excited about the Raiders, and they should be. Uh, I'm not in any way, and you know on this show we've been very positive but also objective, so we, we try to stay that way. But thank you to all of the listeners for your feedback. We appreciate that. You tell us when you love it, and you tell us when you don't, and that's great. That's the way it should be. It's an open line of communication here. So here we are. It's over, Mo. Camp is over. The Raiders concluded their practices with the New England Patriots. Uh, and, of course, the news of the day, all we saw from the beat guys on the ground, from some national sources that were there. Of course, the whole Boston media was there covering the Patriots practice. Imagine that when you had to get the assignment. Oh, we got to go to Vegas for the week to cover the Patriots. Yeah, um, they're out there enjoying themselves. But all we heard about was Devontae Adams dominating. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams connecting on passes, beautiful passes as they've been described to us. Of course, we don't have any film or any video to see, but I'll take their word for it. These are the people, the men and women who cover the teams. And that was coming from both sides. So it wasn't just like Raider reporters or others out there telling us how great the Raiders did. We were hearing it from everybody. But isn't that what we expected? Yeah, it's pretty much what we expected to hear with Waller. And also Hunter Renfro had a really good couple of sessions against the Patriots. Uh, there was one Patriot reporter, Greg Bedard, I believe, yep. of the Boston Sports Journal. He was really hard on the Patriots. Like, you know, he was saying basically, he said Tuesday was the Patriots' worst offensive showing of camp. And that could be partially because the Patriots' offense is disoriented. And that could be partially because because the Raiders offense actually playing well. I saw Jayon Brown in one of the clips had an interception. I believe Jonathan Abram had an interception on Wednesday, but he had it with the second or third team. But overall, I think when you look at the two sides, the two teams, the Patriots and the Raiders, the Raiders got the best of that matchup in joint practices. Absolutely. We also heard about the Raiders offensive line dominating. 
against the Patriots defense in practice. So that was other news that kind of trickled out about that. But again, as you said, I think the Patriots media overall has been very hard on them. I say hard on them with with a with an asterisk, right? Because I wasn't there. I don't know. But you're right. I, the, the mood around the Patriot team seems to be very hardcore. Boy, this is going to be tough. They're not looking great. But then again, it's Bill Belichick. Do we honestly believe that he's going to go out there? Uh, and I know that's players on the field, but is he going to show anything? I know him and Josh McDaniels, all the video of them hanging out and yucking it up on the sideline. And of course, Bill Belichick with all his praise of the Raiders practice facility and the Las Vegas media talked to him, and he actually seemed to be more at ease being there, even though his media pool was there. Talking to the Las Vegas media was a little more open. Of course, he doesn't say a ton, but he seemed to be a little more talkative than he is usually when he's back home. Yeah, I also saw a clip of Bill Belichick walking around with a title belt. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> the UFC. Um, he, yes, he, he seemed think- pretty jovial. Yeah, I think they went over to the UFC's headquarters in Las Vegas. They have a training center. I think that's where that was, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he seems to be kind of just living it up in Las Vegas. I was going to say, Vegas brings out the best in Bill Belichick. Who would have thought we would get two smiles out of Bill Belichick and two joint practices? He, he kind of cracked a smile when he was talking about the Raiders facility. It was a Taj Mahal of, of football facility. Yeah. Yeah, And then, as I said, with the title belt, you got to see a little bit of Bill Belichick's personality, which is shocking to see in, in small snippets even. It is. And I will tell you, I w- I've only met and been around Bill Belichick once. It was when I was in the boxing business and we went. I went down with one of our, our fighters, Deontay Wilder, the former heavyweight champion. We went down to Phoenix for the Super Bowl because he was doing a bunch of stuff and I was with him down there. And we went to a restaurant and that night there was a, a, a party by NBC. NBC was our broadcast partner for boxing. And they were having this big party. And so we went to this party. It was at a restaurant. And Bill Belichick was there with his wife. Uh, and uh, he comes out of this, this booth. It was like one of those booths where they have the curtains for dining. And all of a sudden, the curtain opens up. And out comes Bill Belichick and Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and, and, and Belichick's wife and somebody else. I'm not sure who it was. They came out. And Bill Belichick, uh, I got introduced to him really quickly. With, with Deontay, he was talking to Deontay about boxing, and uh, I mentioned a couple of things with football, and I mentioned to Collinsworth at the time his son was playing at Notre Dame. Of course, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so we talked about that a little bit. But Belichick was very at ease. He was very funny. I mean, he had a really good sense of humor talking to Deontay about uh, just stuff in general, including boxing and football and all of that. And um, so that was my experience with him. So to see him do, in his normal mode it's different, right? And it just goes to show you that in the business, especially football, I know it's football, but it's also entertainment. And so people sometimes have a role to play, and that's certainly the role he plays with the media usually. But we get back to Devontae Adams, Mo. And I want to talk about him too, because there's a couple things that came out. The Pivot Podcast was a great interview with him. If you haven't seen it, I I recommend you go watch it. But Devontae Adams, we, we know how good he's been. We know how good he is Here's my question for you. When you look at him on this Raiders team with Derek Carr, a top 10 quarterback, I know some of these rankings have come out recently and don't put him in the top 10. I put him there now because of what's around him. I know that's not earned yet because he's got to go out and play. But when you look at the situation that they're in and with Devontae Adams in the Josh McDaniels offense, just how good can he be 
coming into a situation where he no longer has the Hall of Famer quarterback in Aaron Rodgers there. He's on a new team. Uh, what do you think about him and his role in Las Vegas? Is he going to be able to live up to the Devontae Adams of Green Bay? I hope Brett Favre is listening to this, but uh, yes, he is. He's going to be fine. Uh, again, he may not get as many targets as he got last year with the Green Bay Packers when he didn't have a number two guy, a solid number two receiver behind him. But he's still going to be effective in the red zone. I still think he's going to have 12 to 14 touchdowns of those inside the 20-yard line. But he's going to also open up the field for Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller once he's healthy again. We'll talk about that later. But he, he he's going to help others, and then he's going to help himself to some uh, touchdowns and I would say about – 12 to 1300 receiving yards. So Devonta Adams will still be the Pro Bowl All Pro player that you've known with the Green Bay Packers, catching passes from Derek Carr. And they saw reporters and spectators who were there at the joint practices got to see a little bit of, of that Tuesday and Wednesday. No doubt. And um, it's interesting. You mentioned Hunter Renfro. I saw somebody retweet. I don't know who who it was saying that they felt Hunter Renfro is going to lead the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns which I find hard to believe with Devontae Adams. Even if Devontae Adams' targets go down, I still think that uh, as much as I love Hunter, that's no no shade thrown at Hunter. Of course, a former Silver and Black Today um, guest, a weekly guest on our show when we were on Raider Nation Radio. But uh, to me, Devontae Adams is a whole different level of wide receiver. Um, and if you look at that and, and what he's done and what he said on the Pivot Podcast, I want to read this. That's why if you're watching us on YouTube, I'm looking to the side here because I'm reading this. Uh, on the Pivot podcast, they asked him how he preps. And I love this visual, Mo. I thought it was one of the best visuals I've heard from a top-tier wide receiver. And they asked him how he approaches the game. And he said, uh, I got a plan every time I get to the line based on what you're doing, i.e. The, the defense. And I put my Terminator mask on. And if you're right there in front of me, I drop down the scroll. If you remember the Terminator, when you're looking through the Terminator's eyes, the, the, the computer comes up and you can see that. And he says... Uh, and uh, the, I, I get three ideas, something I want to do based off, and this is pre-snap. So that's when plan B kicks in based on what you do. Cause I'm going to come off, I'm going to get uh, patented. I'm going to skip off and kind of hop off the ball. And it's really an illusion. Uh, so there you go. He gives a little bit of an insight into how he approaches the game when he gets to the line. And we all know how good and how much he dominates at the line starting off uh, and getting, getting prepared in pre-snap and then go Talk about that and and that visualization and what that says about Devontae Adams. Well, number one, it says he studies a lot of film and he knows his opponent. Football People think football is just you throw the ball out there and you beat your guy one-on-one. When they talk about film study, knowing your opponent, knowing the defender that's across from you, that's what Devontae Adams is into. And he knows how to get off the line of scrimmage and beat that opponent, whether it's a bigger cornerback, faster cornerback, physically get the cornerback, a, a guy who may be a little more handsy at the line of scrimmage, a guy who may, be, who may sag off the line of scrimmage and give him some cushion. He has a plan for whoever it is across from him, and that's why his release, his get-off, so to speak, is so great off the line of scrimmage. But when you talk about Devontae Adams, we're talking about how great he is. I mean, top two receiver, I mean, you can make him one or two. I heard a discussion on NFL Network. They were going between Cooper Cup and Devonte Adams and going back and forth with that discussion. I'm not here to do that, but he's definitely a top two wide receiver in my view. When you look at his game and what he's able to do so well, is there anything 
Because every player, I don't care who you are, and the great ones always will tell you this themselves. They'll say, I can get better. With Devontae Adams, if you look at his game today, what would you say he can do to get better? I would say he can get better at this because this is more innate, but he's not a burner, so he's not going to get behind the defense with speed. He, he may not get a quick step on you. He, like I said, he wins at the beginning of his route. He, mm-hmm. He's not a Tyreek Hill, obviously. But as far as like what he can get better at, I, th- I actually think he's the best receiver in football. Now, of course, he's going to tell you there are fine technical things that he needs to tune up on, and he probably knows that more than I do, even if I watch him every game and watch a few of his games. But I've been watching with the Packers, and I would say he's probably the best all-around receiver that's not a burner. And even if you want to compare him to a Tyreek Hill who's dynamic and can beat you for 50 yards, Devontae Adams can do the same thing. He's just not going to do it with speed. Right, and he's going to do it in that that first jump off the line, which is why I thought the description of his Terminator helmet was so cool because he's so good off the line and, and as the play kicks off that, that it's just remarkable. So he creates that space and he creates the ability to get open and get downfield without that, you know, just breakneck speed. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Now, we talked about Derek Carr. Derek Carr uh, and, and Devontae Adams, obviously their history. A lot, people are counting a lot on the fact that they have that chemistry. But in that Pivot interview, he also said, look, I'm not here just so people say, oh, isn't it nice that Derek and Devontae are so close, such great friends. He wants to win a championship. It's all about a trophy for him. But coming over and Aaron Rodgers and what he was able to do versus Derek Carr um, how much of an adjustment is it going to be for him? I mean, I know they're working on it. It looks good in practice, obviously, because they've been lighting it up this week in Vegas. But what's the difference for him as a receiver having a quarterback that has a little bit different skill set? I guess it will be timing, but they practiced it and they worked together during the offseason. So I I wouldn't expect a major adjustment there. I mean, yeah. if you can ask, ask any reporter that's been at camp, that's been at these practices, the Derek Carr Devontae Adams connection has been money. I, I don't expect any hitch in, in his transition from Green Bay to Las Vegas. Um, whenever you have a quarterback and a wide receiver that, that are already familiar with each other and that already work together in the offseason, huge chances are that connection is going to be lightning as soon as they come out of the gate. No doubt. And I think that's why a lot of the national narrative I've heard is kind of BS about the, oh, well, Devontae Adams will fall back a little because he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. And I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think necessarily that that, I mean, I guess you look at it or fans will look at it as a knock against Derek Carr, but you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. It's a different, different animal there, but I don't see, I don't see any fall off there because I think Derek Carr gets the ball where he needs to. And I think Devontae Adams is, is he does a lot of that work to get open. And that relationship is so vital. We talked about it over the last couple of years when Henry Ruggs came in, when other receivers came in, that that was the most important thing between the quarterback and the wide receiver. Now, I mentioned Hunter Renfro earlier, Mo. And um, what is the, what does Devontae Adams' presence mean for Hunter Renfro in his role in that slot and with his skill set, especially in that shorter to intermediary uh, um, part of the field where Hunter Renfro has been so good. Yeah. So Hunter Renfro may be able to attack the field now and not see a safety over the top because that safety is going to be paying attention to Devonte <laughs> Adams. So Devonte Adams is going to get, he's going to get bracketed. He's going to get double coverage. 
And that's going to, and as I said earlier, that's going to open up the field for Hunter Renfro in the middle of the field. That's going to open up Darren Waller in the seams. So they'll benefit from just having Devontae Adams' presence. Just him being on the field, knowing that you have to know where number 17 is, helps everyone else. And Hunter Renfro last year probably saw some double teams as he was the best wide receiver on the field for the Raiders. And now the field is going to open up for him, and I'll be able to, he'll be able to rack up more yards after the catch this year with Devontae Adams on the outside. And that's what's so remarkable about his talent, about Adams' talent, because like you said, he's not the burner, right? The burner is a guy usually you have to, the safety has to watch that guy who can go vertical. When you talk about the differences between him and like a Tyreek Hill, uh, although I think Devontae Adams overall, even though Hill is very dynamic, Adams clearly a better receiver. And and the fact that they have to pay attention to him without that speed is is speaks to the talent he has. But we'll expand the conversation now a little bit. Talk about the wide receivers now. Uh, we look at this young group who's really done well in the preseason. To me, it's one of the things that that I look to in re-watching the games. I watched the last two games again this past weekend after the Dolphins game. And what's been remarkable to me is how good that unit has been. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And you got some young guys out there. But when you look at Keelan Cole, Mac Hollins, Tyron Johnson, uh, and DJ Turner, uh, they all have done really, really well. And I think that that competition, we've talked about it on this show, right? That we felt like this is going to go into the season. You might have a rotation of guys. But let's start with Keelan Cole coming over uh, and having the experience he's had in the league and what you've seen from him in the preseason. Uh, how do you think that when in that room with the competitive, competitiveness going on, how do you look at Keelan Cole and what his role could be with this team based on the three games you've seen? I think he'll be a lesser version of Nelson Aguilar where he can give you a big play when you need it. Because uh, he's had a couple of big plays over the last two preseason games against the Vikings and against the Dolphins. And I think he's, I, I wouldn't say he solidified his spot in the roster, but I, I expect him to make the roster and probably have more catches than Matt Collins, even though we probably can figure Matt Collins is safe. He didn't suit up against the Dolphins, so that probably means they're just saving him for the season. Right. But Matt, between Matt Collins and Keelan Cole, I think Keelan Cole is going to have more catches and more yards simply because he has, as you mentioned, he has that experience playing a bigger role. So I think, I'm not saying he's going to put the same numbers as Nelson Aguilar had in 2020. But when you need a guy to give you a 15, 16, 17, maybe 20-yarder downfield, Keelan Cole can do that. The interesting conversation comes down to who the Raiders keep between T. Billy, Tyron Johnson, and D.J. Turner. And right now I have I have Tyron Johnson slightly ahead of D.J. Turner. If the Raiders keep five wide receivers, that would mean D.J. Turner goes to the practice squad. But if they keep six, they can keep both Tyron Johnson and D.J. Turner. Yeah, and Johnson is that guy too. I think who can give you the big play, right? And and he's a guy right. who I I've been impressed with. DJ Turner, no question, has played well too, especially uh, the last game as well. But to me, uh, Johnson just he's got he's got that it factor for me at that role um, with that with the ability to break it open as well. And certainly a guy that that I'm going to keep an eye on. And I think you're right. I think he'll he'll make the roster uh, unless something crazy happens in between, which I don't expect. Um, Mo, you had talked to me as we were getting ready for the show about the running back situation. Let's talk about that a little bit and some of the thoughts you have there. Yeah, a lot of people on Twitter have asked, do I think Britton Brown is going to make it? Or they either push back on my running back depth chart that I tweeted. I had 
Josh Jacobs is Amir White as the one-two punch at the top of the depth chart. Then I had Amir Abdullah in the James White pass catching role. Then I had Brandon Bolden, who's going to share the pass catching role with Amir Abdullah, but also play a lot of special teams and kind of be a special teams captain. So a lot of people said, well, where's where's Britton Brown? He's been playing well the last two games. Why do you not have him on, on the depth chart? Because the pay, he, a lot of people brought the Patriots kept five running backs when they initially finalized their their 50-man roster last year. And I did some digging. I did a lot of research on this. And it turns out that the Patriots only had one quarterback on their final roster going into last season <laughs> because they cut Cam Newton and Jared Stidham went on pup. And Jared Stidham didn't um, become active until week 10. So with only one quarterback on the depth chart, they had extra space to keep a guy elsewhere. And this is why you saw the extra running back. J.J. Taylor was the fifth running back on the Patriots depth chart, but he didn't play week one. He was inactive. He did play the following week, but he only played five total games that year. So really the Patriots had a rotation of four backs. They had Damian Harris. They had Ramondre Stevenson. They had James White for three games. Then he got hurt, missed the rest of the season. So then Brandon Bolden moved up a slot. And then J.J. Taylor had some games, as, as I said, a handful of games five played. So, but again, basically four running backs. So I think this is what you're going to see with the Raiders, as I said. Jacobs, Amir White, Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden. A lot of people don't think Brandon Brown is going to clear. Uh, where is it? They think someone else is going to pick him up, and that may happen. But as I said in a previous show, be careful falling in love with the running back who runs for a bunch of yards in the preseason. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to land on the roster. We saw Absolutely. it with Chris Warren. Yep, Chris <laughs> Warren is the guy, and Murph brings that up every time we do a show with him, and he's right. He's right. And I think as well, you have a situation where we talked about this throughout the preseason. The Raiders are going to have final cuts when they do the final cuts, and you're going to have guys, and you're going to say, oh, man, I can't believe they cut him. Because, again, we do. As fans, we fall in love with guys because they go out, and we're rooting for them. I think that's where it comes from. It comes from, especially a young guy, you're rooting for them, um, and they've done well. And so you feel like, okay, they've earned a spot or I can't believe they let them go. But that's a good thing because that tells you that you're bringing in good talent and you're creating a level of competition that makes the entire team better. So that's a very, very good thing. Okay, we are up against our first break. When we come back, we are going to switch gears a little bit. And I'm going to ask the question, and, and this is out there now, is Alex Leatherwood on the trading block? Really? We'll talk about that, as well as a GM, a former GM in the NFL, said that he made the worst cut he's ever made, and it just happens to be somebody that's currently on the Raiders roster. So we'll talk about that when we get back. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already done that, make sure you do it wherever you can, wherever you get your podcast. That's where you can find us. Also, we're up on YouTube. You can see the show up on YouTube. Subscribe there. Hit the notifications bell so you don't miss a show. Uh, so you can join Mo and I and watch us as we uh, pontificate on Raiders football. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for being with us. Mo Moten, Scott Branson. we are here to talk Raiders football, and we appreciate you being here on this Thursday. Yes, we had a show yesterday. We have a show today. And tomorrow, I want to remind everybody, one of the things that Mo and I love doing is our mailbag show. We have another mailbag show with some more great questions from all over the world. Yes, we get questions from International Raider Nation as well, so we're going to address that. Make sure you tune in for that one tomorrow morning. It'll also be up on YouTube uh, Friday morning as well. And then after the game on Friday, tomorrow, we will have our post-game show where Murph from Raiders Fan Radio joins us. He is the voice of the fan and always has great uh, reaction to the game. Mo, I love the mailbag stuff. We continue to get great questions. Continue to get great questions from a lot of loyal listeners, so we appreciate that. And I, Quick note, I think Murph is actually going to be on site for that Patriots-Raiders game, if I'm not mistaken, so that's going to be fun. He is. That might be interesting because I don't know, and I don't want to cast any dispersions on Murph because I don't know if he enjoys adult beverages, but he's going to be in the stands in Las Vegas, and he's going to do it from his phone. So we will have Murph as a live correspondent. I'm sure he won't be alone. I'm sure there's going to be some Raider Nation crazies there, so that's going to be a blast. So don't miss the post-game show right after the game. We'll be live on YouTube, and then you can, of course, if you can't catch us on YouTube live, you can catch us that same night as the podcast will go up on the feed. So if you subscribe, you'll get it right after the game and you can listen to it as you either get some shut eye, as you get lay down and you're all geared up after the Raiders notch another win maybe in the preseason. Uh, but make sure you do that as well. Okay, Mo, a report out today from PFF, I should say a report out yesterday on Wednesday. And I'm going to this one from Doug Kide from Pro Football Focus said that perhaps Alex Leatherwood, who we've talked about ad nauseum, could be a trade candidate. Here's what he said. Quote, Leatherwood is currently starting for the Raiders in training camp, and he's actually benched during his last Vegas preseason game against the Dolphins. He's played into the second half of each of the Raiders' past two preseason games, which usually is not a good thing. Uh, and perhaps there could still be a team interested enough to trade for him in the second year of his rookie contract. Mo, what do we make of that? I mean, look, there's no concrete evidence. It's not like there's rumors about that everywhere. But this sort of came out on Wednesday, and suddenly you're hearing uh, Vinny Bonsignor, our, our, my former colleague and, and the reporter at the RJ who covers the Raiders, talk about, hey, they could do one of, they could do one of two things. They could, they could keep them. They could bench them. They could move them to guard. I wonder where I've heard that before. And then perhaps they could even let him go the chances of the Raiders either trying to move him or let him go. What should we all think of that? First of all, I want to say Vincent Bonsignor, the Las Vegas Review Journal, got my <laughs> hopes up because he unsolicitedly, I didn't say anything to Vinny. He quote mm -hmm. tweeted me. He said, you may get your wish as far as Alex Leatherwood moving to guard. Now, mm -hmm. I was excited about that because not because I think Alex Leatherwood was an 
guard or anything, but I felt like he had some good stretches as a guard last season when he moved after week four. Now, Vinny also put a report later on Wednesday saying, as you just mentioned, he could be moved to guard, he could be traded or cut. Now, I think the first, the first action is to try to trade him if you're the Raiders because they gave him a chance at right tackle. It hasn't worked out well for him. Right. But this regime, it doesn't have any ties to him because they didn't draft him 17th overall in the 2021 draft, right? So they may look at Leatherwood as he, he's not a good fit for their system. And if they can't find a trade partner, my guess is if they don't see anything from him at guard, then they let him go. Or they feel like, because I'm sure he's taken some reps at guard at practice, just not a significant amount to talk about, but you know, these offensive linemen, they move around, they play different positions. So if they feel like they saw a little something at guard and they can salvage him a little bit, they will move him to guard. Because I think, I think personally that's his, not natural position, but I think that's where he'll see the most growth. But I think the first mode of action is to see, let's see what we can get for him. Let's just put the ticker out there. Sure. What can we, can we, can we get a, a third or fourth round pick for him? And I think if, if the race can get a, an early round pick, which I highly doubt, uh, they can get a fourth round pick, maybe, Maybe they make that move even with a fourth-round pick. But if they feel he's not a fit for the assistant period at all, whether I guard or tackle, then your only mode of action is to move him or cut him. And it's interesting. People always go to the fact that they have to pay him. So I think he's due about $11 million. It's $1.3 this year, $2 million next year, and $2.6 in 2024. So... From that perspective, remember, I think people misunderstand, and I, I don't blame them because the, the salary cap can be very confusing. But as Danny mentioned on yesterday's show, cash is a motivator. If you have cash, you can get around, basically. It's, it's, it's funky accounting uh, to get around the salary cap. You can do that in certain cases. So if you have to absorb that and you're going to go get somebody else, there's, there's, there's interesting ways and creative ways to deal with that. But if they were to let him go... My guess is somebody picks him up and the Raiders are not on the hook for all of it, right? So, so if they, somebody picks him up, the Raiders will recoup some of that. Now, if he, gets, if he clears waivers and nobody picks him up, then that's another interesting thing. I don't think there's got to be somebody else out there in the NFL who had him rated on their draft card. It's not that Alex Leatherwood uh, drafted himself too high. Again, this goes back to the previous regime who ran the Raiders with Mike Mayock and John Gruden. They overdrafted him, perhaps. And if that's the case, that's not the player's fault. That's where I think, too, um, and I've been critical of him as well based on his play. I think people get caught up in the fact that this guy hasn't performed when he was asked to switch positions. He wasn't a natural right tackle. Okay, so that's not necessarily on him. He hasn't been able to do it. You put him back at guard. Mo, if he's playing guard against the Patriots tomorrow night, that doesn't really tell us anymore either, right? Because that could be they're going to see how he does. If he does well, that could increase his trade value or it could convince them to keep him as well, right? Yeah, I think that's the litmus test. If he plays guard against the Patriots, they're going to see, okay, if he's really good at the position or if he plays well, shows well, maybe we can keep him around and just move his, you know, take him back inside and hopefully he grows there. But if he's a disaster at guard, just like he was a tackle, then I think it has to be a trade or a cut. And that's going to sound if the Raiders cut Alex Leatherwood, the takes against the Raiders are going to be hot <laughs> because people are going to come at the Raiders and say, Oh, look at the Raiders draft card. Look at what they did under John Gruden. And I get it. Gruden didn't brought in some good players, 
Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. But he had a lot of misses, and you can't run from that. And I, I think the Patriots came in, well, not the Patriots, but Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler came in thinking, okay, we'll see what we can do with Alex at the Wood. And if worst comes to worst, if he doesn't fit in our system, if he doesn't pan out, then we can move him. But I find it, before you go, Scott, I find it interesting that two people on the show criticized Alex at the Wood and said he, he may not start. And I know a lot of people in the live chat had pushed back on that. And they were saying we were too hard on Alex at the Wood. Now, the narrative, you see everywhere you go, Alex Leatherwood is trash. He needs to be cut. And a lot of people are going to option C already, which is just let him go and, and, and cut your losses. <laughs> now, I would say that the Raiders may not have a problem doing that. You ran out the dead cap money that they were owed him. They let go of Kenyon Drake, and they still owe him $3.6 million. So they're not afraid to eat a little bit of cap money every year if it's not an exorbitant amount. It's Cleveland Farrell's cat money that I worry about, but that's a whole different subject. But back to <laughs> we Leatherwood. We haven't got there yet. <laughs> right, yeah, we man. haven't got there yet. But back to back to Leatherwood, I, I, I think, again, I think the first mode of action is to see what you can get for him. And if you can't get anything for him and he's not a fit, then he's cut and then it makes headlines and Raiders fans are going to want to cover their ears because people are going to talk about how bad the Gruden-Mayock regime was at drafting. And that's why, to me, too, Mo, it doesn't, there's no downside other than the financial piece of it. There's no downside for McDaniels and Ziegler to cut him loose because they didn't bring him in in the first place. It's not, I mean, yes, the Raiders get the, the criticism, but it's really going to be on Gruden. It's not going to be on McDaniels and yep. Ziegler that they couldn't get him to perform. It's going to be on the previous team. And the other question is, you look at the guard position, you look at Dylan Parham, a draft pick by Dave Ziegler, who's played really well. He's played at guard. He shows promise there. And so they might be a little more apt to want to play him there and see how he pans out versus Alex Leatherwood. And then you have to ask mentally, too, because we've all been in this situation, and you and I have talked about this on the show before. Sometimes a change of scenery. He started off in Las Vegas, has been very disappointed. There's been a lot of negativity around him from fans and the media coverage has been, I wouldn't call it negative. It's just been truthful that he hasn't been able to perform. So, so it could be a situation too, where they sit down with him and say, Hey, listen, we can put you at guard uh, and, and we can work you in and we'll see if you can work your way into the, into the rotation. Or they might sit him down and say, listen, here's what we're thinking. Do you want to stay here? Uh, we have a possibility of moving or we could, we could release. You. I think the player has some input, don't you? Yeah, but the, there's a quick note, and I tweeted this after Leatherwood had an, had that awful game against the Dolphins. I said, lost in all of this Alex Leatherwood criticism is that he's actually a pretty decent run blocker. And uh, and as I said, if you move him inside, he's still going to have to improve his pass blocking. But he's just – people are now framing him, framing him as to, he's going to be out of the NFL in a year or two. He's not even an NFL player. And I say pump the brakes on that. If a team can use him in run blocking and use him well, he can be serviceable. But back to your point about Dylan Parham, and there's a note that I should have made in our previous show. He actually started over John Simpson at left guard against the Dolphins. Yep. And he also started over John Simpson at left guard during the joint practices against the Patriots. So you're, to your point, the, the current regime didn't draft John Simpson in the fourth round. That was the Gruden-Mayak regime. When they love their Clemson players, right? Right, right. Now they bring in Parham, who's who's their top draft pick this year, and because they drafted him, they may be more motivated to get him in the starting 
left guard over John Simpson, even though I felt like right now John Simpson is the better player. Parham has the higher upside, and I've said on previous shows that Parham's easiest pathway to a starting spot is at guard because he started his career at Memphis at left guard, moved to right tackle, and then moved to right guard, so it makes sense. It does. It's a natural position for him, and to your point, Listen, like everything in life, there's a little bit of politics. If you if you hired somebody and 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 at your role at your job, and it's somebody you picked, you went through the interview process, you invested in them, you're just going to have a little bit more faith and 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 invested in that person, right? So it's just the way it goes. It happens in sports all the time when you have a changeover at coach, when you have a changeover at GM. So uh, so great great points there, Mo. Okay. Let's move on now to uh, GM, former GM, Rick Spielman from the Vikings. I don't know if you saw this, Mo, this week, but uh, he did a video uh, around cut day on Tuesday where he talked about his biggest regret. His biggest regret as a GM, and he went ad nauseum talking about it, was cutting the Raiders, now kicker, Daniel Carlson. And I thought that that was really cool because I think, you know, a lot of times in the business People don't want to admit their mistakes. Now, here's a guy who was let go, so he's got nothing to lose, I guess. And so he talked about it and said, look, it's always hard to cut, especially veterans, right? Veterans who've been in the community, been part of your team, have been huge in the locker room. And they talked about Daniel Carlson, who they drafted, they brought in. He started off really well. He had the one bad game where he missed two field goals against the Packers in overtime, and then he found himself on the street, which has been a godsend for the Raiders, but I thought it was nice to see some openness from an NFL executive and to talk about a player that they really regretted letting go. And it's not very often that you hear it being a kicker. Yeah, it's just very interesting. And as you said, some GMs or a lot of GMs won't admit their mistakes even after the fact, even after they've moved on. Uh, but it was cool to hear Rick Spillman say that and the Raiders to benefit from it. But I believe he had one year with the Vikings. And I know it was a big game against the Packers and a moment, a crucial moment. And the Vikings have had kicking problems in recent years. But to cut the guy after after that not incident, but after a poor game, to me, is a bit hasty, especially in his first year. It wasn't like Darryl, uh, Daniel Carson was with the Vikings for a few years. It was, he was a rookie at the time, fifth-round yeah. pick. And they, they just had no patience for it, but hey, I'm sure Raiders fans and the Raiders aren't complaining about it because now they have one of the best kickers and one of the best special teams units as far as kicking, long snapper, and punter are concerned. One of the best special teams, three-man uh, units in the league. So kudos no to Rick Spielman for letting, kudos for, um, to Rick Spielman for letting him go. Yeah. And kudos for the Raiders' previous regime for picking him up. Yeah, uh, Raider fans, you want to send him like an edible uh, bouquet or something and say thank <laughs> you? Uh, go ahead and do that. Mo, before we get to the break, by the way, after the break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk some fantasy football as we usually do on Thursday. Kelly Kreiner uh, is going to join us. We're going to talk about the Silver and Black Today Fantasy League and uh, be able to kind of get an update on that. And I'm sure there'll be some trash talk, uh, especially with Kelly because his favorite word is trash. Um, but we're talking about the game tomorrow, Mo, real quick. Uh, again, third preseason game. There's some guys fighting for their life. Uh, talk to me from your perspective coming on this game. We all know we're watching the offensive line. We're watching Alex Leatherwood, walking, watching some of those moving parts. We're watching the interior of the, def the defense on the line there. What else? What should people watch for a couple things that in your mind we need to see tomorrow night in Las Vegas before this team gets to final cuts? 
I'm looking at the depth in the front seven. Uh, I know I made a comment about Darren Butler. I no longer think he's going to make the 50-man roster after watching him closely and watching his snaps. Over the past couple of days, he misses too many tackles. And I don't think the Rays are going to be comfortable with that with a linebacker in the middle of the field who, who could let a, a, a ball carrier or a receiver go for 15 yards down because he slips off of a tackle. Um, Luke Masterson could possibly sneak onto the roster. So I'm, I have my eye on him. Tashawn Bauer, who I think has had one of the best preseasons of any Raiders player on the roster, he could make the roster. I know Raiders fans are going to bring up Latroy Lewis and say, Latroy Lewis had a good preseason, they, and they let him go. But Tashawn Bauer has spent time under Josh McDaniel, so he has some Patriot roots there. So I, I think he can actually make the roster. Understated player. Could be finally finding his way with the Raiders on the outside. Uh, the Raiders do need some death there along with Malcolm Coots. So I think Tajon Bauer sneaks onto the 53 and, and not Darian Butler. So if I would look out for a player that's underrated or not talked about a lot, Bauer is the guy. There you go. Now, did I did I curse Darian Butler by wearing my Arizona State hat a couple shows ago? I don't you know. We'll have. have to <laughs> we'll see. Maybe maybe he have. ends up maybe he'll sneak through and he'll end up on the practice squad if he doesn't make it uh, and they can develop him. We'll, we'll have to see on that one. All right, we are now going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to be joined uh, by Kelly Kreiner, who was going to talk fantasy football with us, and we'll see what else uh, he's got to say as well. And I just something tells me his his wardrobe will be something that Mo will enjoy. So we'll <laughs> we'll take a look at that when we come back here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey Original Podcast. Do us a favor, subscribe, give us a five star rating. We would appreciate that. Make sure on YouTube also subscribe hit the notifications bell so that you are notified when we have a new video we'll be back right after this don't go anywhere raider nation is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer ixl learning is an online learning program for kids it covers math language arts science and social studies ixl is designed this program will improve your kids grades studies done in almost every state in the country the kids who had ixl are consistently doing better powered by advanced algorithms ixl gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for joining us, Raider Nation. We're in the home stretch. And this segment, we're talking fantasy football, the Silver and Black Today League, just a few weeks away from kicking off. And Mo's ready to get beat. Right, Mo? Not. 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 <laughs> and uh, to do that and to talk fantasy football, uh, we always bring on our good friend, 
my former co-host here on the show. And that, of course, is Kelly Kreiner, who joins us now from Las Vegas. You can follow him on Twitter at Rating the Draft. And Kelly, welcome back, man. Uh, I noticed that you had your Got Sources t-shirt on, which Mo has also had on this show as well. Did you guys hook up and Mo sent you his excess t-shirt or what happened? <laughs> well, I don't know how long Mo's had his, but uh, I actually looked at the, I've had, I bought mine on May 23rd. So <laughs> I've had mine for a minute just to let everybody Save know. That, yeah. Okay. I got you. So, I'm so the you copycat. He's trying to say I'm the copycat. No, no. Kelly? I'm saying I didn't copy from you. Ah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> hey, it's a great shirt. Everybody should have one. I'm just saying that I didn't buy this because of the great Mo had one. Kelly is the fashion plate. So he's he's keeping us all into the fashion game here, as you can tell if you're watching. So so we're 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 happy with that. I'll I'll take I'll take my cues from Kelly. Kelly, before we get into the fantasy football, I gotta get your opinion. You know, Mo and I on the show talking about the Raiders camp ending yesterday on Wednesday, the Patriot practices, what we've seen. Uh, there's been a couple reports out that now maybe the Raiders are shopping Alex Leatherwood. You and I have done some draft shows together on the radio where we were shocked by the picks that John Gruden made. This was another one. What's your thoughts on Leatherwood? If he can be salvaged as a guard, or is this a situation with despite the money uh, the Raiders could say goodbye either via trade if somebody wants them or just letting them go. I mean, I, I think at this point you're going to have to try them at guard because you can say that you're shopping somebody, but I can also shop the 83 Buick that I have that's on blocks in front of my house. <laughs> if nobody's willing to buy it, then you're not really shopping it. Oh. You know, it's like, like, at, like who's going to pick him? Who's going to trade something of, and when I say of value, even a pick swap to take up the contract that the way he's looked in the past, you're basically, man, it's a sunk cost at this point. You're to my opinion, you're trying him at guard. And if you know what, if he doesn't work at guard the next year, it's, you know, go for, you know, you're, if he, if he doesn't work next year, you're probably cutting him or you're taking him like, Hey, one last chance. Cause with the contract being what it is and how much they owe him. Yeah. I mean, give it a shot. Yeah. Well, Kelly, mm -hmm. you're, you're a draft. You're a draft guy. You study the draft more than anybody I know. There's always somebody else out there who wanted him, not where they, the Raiders took him, of course, but there's somebody out there who likes Alex Leatherwood for whatever reason, because of his talent, because of what he did at Alabama. When you look at him, uh, does that play is if, if there's a guy out there, somebody who runs an NFL team, a GM, a scout, whoever that may have liked Alex Leatherwood coming out of college, um, might that be the type of person who inquires about him? Well, I mean, there's always somebody out like they liked Alex Leatherwood because they saw what he did at Alabama. You don't like Alex Leatherwood. You saw what he's done with the Raiders and in the NFL. So, but there's always that coach out there that thinks that guy's not using him right. I can fix him. So there's always going to be someone out there that thinks I'm, I can, you know, they screwed up. It's, you know, it's part, it might be partly his fault, might, whatever. But there's always a coach that thinks, if I get that guy, I can make him great like we thought. So there's always a chance. I'm just thinking that once you factor in the contract and everything, you're not going to get enough, in my opinion, to just basically say we're done with this and pitch him. Dude, keep him on the roster. You know, you can never have enough offensive line depth. You know, even if he's not a starter, if someone gets hurt, you know, you can throw him in. He's a body. 
you know, you're already paying him. So at this point, like, I, I don't see what someone could offer you that would legitimately get offered that you're like, okay, let's make this trade. No doubt. Good stuff, as always, from Kelly. There we go. All right, we're going to shift to fantasy football now. So, Kelly, um, and, and Mo and I were talking earlier in the day, and uh, you know, there's, been some, there's been some movement with the NFL rosters, not just the guys who got cut, but there's been some starters named. And let's start off, Mo, with your, your, what you talked to me about earlier uh, uh, this week on Wednesday. You mentioned, as we were prepping for the show on Thursday, you mentioned uh, the Baker Mayfield situation. Yeah, um, Kelly's probably gonna gonna cringe his teeth at this, but <laughs> I would say the Carolina Panthers pass catching group is gets a slight upgrade with Baker Mayfield. I'm not saying it's a major upgrade where you're running out to go get Robbie Anderson at all costs and Terrence Marshall, but keep in mind Baker Mayfield played with a torn labrum for most of last year, and he's had a couple of good years with the Browns as long as he's healthy. He gives those Panthers pass catches a slight bit of a boost. But what I really wanted to bring Kelly on the show for was I want to know why Kelly treated Evan Ingram like he was Alex Leatherwood and wouldn't want to offer me anything for him. Kelly actually went out and got Isaiah Likely, who's the Ravens standout tight end from the preseason, to fill his tight end spot. And I had been offering Kelly Evan Ingram for weeks. Kelly ignored me, and he went out and he got a preseason star. Explain yourself, Kelly Kreiner. Uh-oh. Well, if I wanted Evan Ingram, I could go get him <laughs> off the scrap heap because you pitched <laughs> him like an old you pitched him like an old newspaper. Um, th- there's like maybe a 15 percent chance that Isaiah Likely's my starter, my fantasy league week one. Um, just the way he's looked in the preseason, he's like especially in deeper leagues, he's might be like a viable kind of you know. He might be viable to like if you really like if you're hurting for tight end or anything. I just picked him up because, I mean, we've still got a week before, you know, I mean, anything can happen. You know, we see injuries and we see injuries in camp all the time. If something happens to Mark Andrews, Isaiah likely is an automatic top 10 tight end. So, figured you know, it's not costing me anything to pick him up. It's not costing me anything to put him on the uh, my roster. And Isaiah Spiller that I dropped has already been, he's out for week one on top of not doing anything in the preseason. So, I didn't really give up anything to pick him up. So before we move on from the tight end conversation, Kelly, I'm just going to do this one more time. Austin Hooper, my tight end, (laughs) my backup tight end, is available if you're looking for a tight end before week one. Um, Offers are out there. I'm willing to listen to any offer you got. Um, Just put it out there. Austin Hooper, by the way, playing pretty well, has a rapport with Ryan Tannehill. So if you want a tight end, I'm still open for business. Wait a minute. Is the Vince Lombardi of fantasy football, is he now trying to make a deal on the air? Hey, man. Any way you can get it. Well, it's funny because Austin Hooper was actually a guy that was on the free agent wire that I was looking at to possibly pick up when the season started. Um, But I've got three or four options, and I will probably – I'll give a conservative estimate. I'll probably have four tight ends by the time the season's over with. (laughs) Because when I punt tight end, I'm basically streaming tight end all year unless I pick up somebody that happens to hit or something. So, yeah, I'm not really that concerned about my tight end position. You know, now my kicker, got to get a kicker too. You know, that could be tough. So, Kelly, go ahead, go ahead, Mo. Really quick, Scott, 
when when Austin Hooper racks up 988 yards and 12 touchdowns, Kelly's we want to rewind the tape back to this episode. Kelly's going to regret regret not taking the offer because, as I said before, Kelly, the price today is not the price tomorrow. It goes up every day. So I'm just just saying that's my last my last piece on that. Well, yeah, kind of like the price of Evan Ingram went up and up until he's now free. <laughs> Yeah, that's... <laughs> oh boy! But but here I am. I'm I'm looking. I'm looking right now at the league. I'm looking at the transactions in the silver and black today league, and it's it's Evan Neal before Zod, which is Kelly's team. It's Mostradamus, Gullies Gashers, which is my team. It's fun. We are the ones all picking people up, dropping people. Although mine was just a kicker. Uh, you also Mo uh, picked up a running back. You want to talk about your running back? Yeah, Gus Edwards, I picked him up simply because, yes, I know he's going to be out to start the season, but mm-hmm. if you watch the Ravens for the past few years under Greg Roman, he's going to use his running backs. He's going to run those guys into the ground. I know J.K. Domas is probably the lead guy. They got Mike Davis, who's probably going to be getting some portion of the workload while Gus is out. But once Gus comes back, he could he could push his way into that rotation and, and get some production. And then it's like Kelly said, if there's an injury injuries pop up, especially at the running back position, JK Dobbins is coming off a serious injury. If they have to slow him down for whatever reason, Gus Edwards is going to be a playmaker at that position. And it also makes a difference because we drafted are so early. Like we drafted yeah, we three did. weeks before yeah. the season started. Uh, my team would not look like this if we drafted a week before the, <laughs> the season started. You know, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys are the same way. Oh, You've yeah. like you wouldn't mm-hmm. have a, the same roster construction, but it's like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm going to gamble on a couple things here, see what happens. Worst case scenario is I drop that and pick something else up. Yeah. What other what other what other moves have you seen or injuries? I mean, injuries are always a big part of this too, especially in the preseason. What have you seen, Kelly, happening out there in the NFL that could impact? Uh, the guys in the league uh, and and the one gal, which is just win Wendy, shout out to her, um, that, that could impact the league and us getting prepared for the start of the season from a roster perspective. You know, to me, there really hasn't been anything that's happened yet that's had a, like, much of a, like, kind of season-long impact. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've seen more of, like, the issue in Washington with the commanders about, you know, um, Antonio Gibson about how he's like returning kicks, stuff like that, which maybe they're just trying to get him to help him hold on to the ball a little. Um, you know, the six fumbles last year were bad, but the seven fumbles in his first two seasons is still less than people like Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, and Adrian Peterson had. So I think that's getting a little blown out of proportion to where it's like, okay, we get it. Everybody wants the hot new thing in there, but the guy had 77 carries in college and you made him a running back. You're going to have some growing pains. Yep. But what he can do with the football, nobody else in that commander's team can do. All right, Kelly. So when we look at our league, when we look at the Silver and Black Today League, clearly final cuts come up. There's going to be a lot of us with players uh, that we have on a roster, e- even as starters, that we might have to uh, then replace. So when you look at that and you look at cut day, uh, how quickly is this transaction wire in the Silver and Black Today League going to go bananas? I mean, the fact that really the three of us are the only ones that have kind of done anything so far, (laughs) like that's not like real surprising because most people, when they draft their team, they got who they wanted. So, you know, and er like I said, it's been too early for there to be any big like cuts or big moves, anything that's going to like affect your teams. So it doesn't surprise me yet. 
but um, I mean, the, the, the first week of the season is always overreaction season in fantasy football mm. because every time that one running back or that one, you know, wide receiver has a big day, everybody's going to flock and try to grab that guy. And there's only so many Anquad Boltons. There's only so many, you know, I tell you what, you, if Sammy Watkins is on the roster for the Packers, which I kind of doubt he is, you can almost pencil him in every year for having a monster week one and then sucking for the rest of the year. <laughs> if does. Sammy yes. Watkins is on he a does. roster, he's going to have a big week one. People are going to flock to grab him. And then four weeks later, he's going to be back on the free agent wire. That's what <laughs> Sammy Watkins does. So, yeah, before the season, I don't really – like before the first weekend, I really don't see much. It's always after that first week where overreactions kick in and everybody's got to have the, the new hot toy, man. Everybody's got to have that new thing. No doubt. Guys, what about, I know, not in our league so much, but in a lot of leagues, uh, people de-emphasize certain positions. They go grab guys they want, to your point, Kelly, people they like to have on their roster. And so you're, you're sitting there without the quarterback you want. You're sitting there without the running back or wide receiver you want. Uh, when you look at the preseason and how some of these players have done, the second, third tier guys at those positions, is there anybody who sticks out to either one of you that might be a good get for some of these people in the other league? Because we're not going to let people in our league get them. Uh, somebody that wasn't like somebody that's still a free agent that would be a good get. Correct. So or or tra or a trade opportunity, you know, because I, I think I, I hate leagues where there's no trades happening now. Again, you don't just trade to trade, but if there's value for value and somebody needs somebody and you have a spot to fill, then, hey, maybe maybe you look at a trade. Is there anybody out there that that is worthy of that right now, especially going into week one where we don't know much? Um, like something like that, it really like you kind of just have to look at each team and each roster. Because most of the time people have they either they'll either go kind of running back heavy or they'll go kind of wide receiver heavy when they're drafting their team so it's like okay this team has this team needs a wide receiver because they have five running backs or the the opposite of that so you kind of just have to go when you're looking especially for a trade partner you kind of have to go the other way to where it's like okay what does this person need what do they have that i want um and another thing that i do especially like with the roster that i have now before the season starts i'm a big fan of like i said not drafting a kicker not drafting a tight end getting other players because now I'm going to throw a two-for-one out there, knowing that I can't keep the number of players that I have anyway. And if right. there's a guy that is doing well that I'm probably going to have to cut anyway, if I can add him to something and trade him to somebody else to make the deal look better, knowing that I was going to cut him anyway, it's just that much better in the trade market. Yeah. I let Kelly answer first because I wasn't going to answer. I actually have my eye on a guy. I actually tweeted about him a few days, a couple of days ago. I don't know if Kelly saw it. He might have. Um, he was actually in one of my recent Bleacher Report columns. I'm not going to say it on air because I know if this goes out to someone in our league and listens to our podcast, <laughs> he will be picked up. I'm not saying Kelly would do it because as Kelly said before, he's not going to pick a guy based on another person's advice he's going to do it if he wants to do it but i i guarantee you if i say the guy's name he will be picked up within 24 hours after i say it but i wanted to ask kelly a, a question about his roster maybe he wants to tip his hand on this or not but is anyone on the roster that you're looking at right now on your roster where you're like what the heck was i thinking drafting this dude because i know you as you said we drafted early so 
you know, preseason hasn't happened yet, injuries settling in. Is there one guy you're like, man, I, I made I made a goof there, or what was I thinking? No, because as chaotic as my draft might look, and like I said, I'm I'm looking at it as I'm winning or I'm 12. That's all I cared about. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a couple. Like, I've got several wide receivers. Um, the running backs that I gambled on, the young running backs, they're not panning out right now. So, I mean, that I'm. It looks like I may have missed on those, but I mean that was part of the plan. So it's like, yeah, it hasn't worked out. It may not work out, but that was what the plan was that I set forth. You know, and the one thing, especially with the wide receiver, everybody likes the number two wide receiver on teams when there's yeah, there's a there's a team that there's a definite number one that might not be as sexy, but he's the number one mm-hmm. guy. I have three number one wide receivers on my bench. So it's like if any of them, like Kadarius Tony, could easily be a top twelve wide receiver next year. He could easily be a top twelve CFL receiver next year. We don't know, <laughs> but it's like he has the ability to give you a wide receiver one year. You know, Christian yeah. Kirk is about as he could be like the new Robert Woods because he's going to get hyper fed. It's going to be ugly. They're going to. I mean, he's going to be the. Christian Kirk has a chance to be the garbage man of all garbage men because when they're down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and they just got to throw the ball, he's going to get hyper-targeted. It doesn't matter how you get the points as long as you kill. Isn't that trash man, Kelly? Not garbage. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I screwed up. You haven't said own. trash in the whole show. I'm very disappointed. I had an over-under bet with Mo. No, I did <laughs> But uh, Well, we, ha- we haven't really hit anything to where I would actually – because I I, you just can't throw that out willy-nilly, you know, It's because no. you don't want to – you don't want to take down the meaning of that. If I call somebody trash or say something's (laughs) trash, you know, it's from the heart. Absolutely. I'll tell you my regret though, is Mark Andrews. When I drafted him, you know, I bought too much into the rankings and there were other players there. I think I would have been better off taking to your point. Cause I, I, I strayed from my usual standard, which is I don't care about defense and I don't care about kickers and I don't care about tight ends. Um, But I guess because I was, in that position, I took him, so I wish I wouldn't have taken him. I'll take him off your hands. I need a tight end. <laughs> Clearly, you're, yeah, you're, I, you're on the waiver wire all day with tight ends. It's funny you say that, Scott, because I'm starting to have not concerns about not doubts or concerns, but just second guessing myself about getting Travis Kelsey. And I, I may be falling into the preseason hype of Patrick Mahomes throwing two touchdown passes to to Jody Fortson. Uh, but I yeah. feel like it's a po- it's possible that with Kelsey coming going up there in age, Patrick Mahomes may use more of his backup tight ends. Now I think Blake Bell got hurt, so he's not going to be playing. But Fortson, who's a converted wide receiver tight end, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to be Darren Waller or anything, but he may get some more looks than usual. So yeah, Little and we don't know what there. we we still don't know how that Chiefs offense. I mean, we've seen some in the preseason, but we haven't seen it in full force yet to understand how they're going to line up and how it's going to look too, to your point about uh, how he spreads the ball around uh, now that they switched up. So good point, but just yeah, don't, we all, just don't we get, just, just don't get, just don't get the points to sky more, please. <laughs> we all know why. Well, yeah. well, it's funny, Mo, because I'm kind of on the opposite side of that. I think that Kelsey's the only known thing you have in Kansas city now mm-hmm. to where mm-hmm. if you're keeping a wide receiver in Kansas city, it's going to be basically, you know, roulette every week who has the big week. But, you know, Kelsey's going to have – like, Kelsey's going to be consistent until you carry him off the field. 
So I think, yeah. I, I, yeah, if I was, if I was him, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't worry about him if I were you, but if you want to trade him, holler at me. <laughs> um, he's ready. I will he's, say, I will he's ready say to take thing. him off your hands. I won't say which pick it was, but if I would not have been at work drafting, I would have thrown something in my house because I missed out on somebody by one pick. Now, if you go through there and look at it, it's probably going to be pretty easy to see who it was. But yeah, if I wouldn't have been at work, I would have thrown something. Well, there you go. Kelly Kreiner, talking fantasy football, amongst other things. Kelly, we always appreciate it. And we're going to have you back on obviously more regularly, but we got to get to the season. So we'll, we'll uh, in a week and a half or so, when we get ready for that week one matchup, we're going to get together. We're going to talk matchup, and then we will start to have some of the other players in the league join us uh, when we see some of these matchups and some of these games and how the head to head unfolds in the silver and black today league. So buddy, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, no problem guys. Anytime. All right, there you go. Kelly Kreiner with us to end the show, talking some fantasy football, Mo. You and I have a little bit of uh, shopper's remorse on two tight ends. <laughs> See, tight ends, man. It's like I gave it too much. I, I Actually, I gave it too much thought. I gave it too much credence, the rankings. I was buying into it, and I just should have just went with my gut and said no tight ends. And the, and the point that Kelly brought up is the point why I drafted Travis Kelsey to begin with is because he's the only surefire thing in Kansas City as far as their passing game is concerned. If anyone's going to rack up the points, it's going to be Travis Kelsey. But like I said, I try not to be a, a, a prisoner of the moment, but just seeing him throw to Fortson out there, I, and I started to think, okay, <laughs> what if they start using more two tight end sets? What if Fortson has a bigger role than I thought? Kelsey's getting up there in age. You know, he I believe he's... You know, 32, 33 years old. So, you know, not not that I have buyer's remorse, but a little, little nervous about his numbers because I, I remember I drafted him in the second round, so I'm expecting second round return from him. Yeah, and watch, he'll go out and get 180 and three touchdowns in week one, and then you'll be like, oh, see, I was brilliant taking Travis <laughs> Kelsey. So it all works out. That's how fantasy football is. Uh, all right, Mo, we're going to wrap up the show, but we will be back tomorrow. Friday, we have a mailbag show. We're going to release that in the morning, both on YouTube and, of course, the audio version. And then Friday night, after the Raiders uh, take on the Patriots at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, we will have our postgame show. Mo, myself, and, of course, Murph from Raiders Fan Radio with the voice of the fan. So make sure you join that. So three days in a row, lots of silver and black today, lots of Mo, lots of Scott, lots of Murph, and you got your Kelly. That was, that was enough of Kelly for the week, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The Kelly, fans love hey, Kelly. They do love Kelly. He's he's lovable. They do. He's lovable. I mean, he just it's he, Kelly. When he starts talking betting and fantasy football, the people love him. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk the next time we have him on to talk about fantasy. Though we'll do a little bit of a longer segment and we'll talk some betting because that that'll be pre week one. Now Kelly mm-hmm. bets on the preseason because he's that way and he knows what the hell he's doing. But we will talk about going into so we'll talk about some more wagering when we bring him on next time. Scott, if Kelly could, Kelly would bet on a joint practice if he could. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. All right. Mo, I'll see you tomorrow, my man. All right. We'll talk Raiders, and I'll be on Alex Leatherwood Watch from here on out. You will be. All right. I appreciate you guys all being with us again today here on Silver and Black Today. Again, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the audio side, wherever you get it. If you're on Stitcher, you're on Apple, you're on Google, doesn't matter, Spotify, you can get us there. Do that for us if you would. That helps us a lot. And the guys in the suits at Odyssey love when uh, you guys download the show. So please do that. And that helps us out 
significantly. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, we had a great YouTube crowd on last night, big one and for us, and we had great conversation there as well, and as we are now too. So appreciate that. Hit subscribe and also hit the notifications bell. For Mo Moten, Kelly Kreiner, I am Scott Colbrantz, and this has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Take care of one another, and we'll talk to you next time.